Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace and blessings be on all my lovely viewers and listeners out there. Welcome to another Monday evening of the Muslim Vibe podcast. Today we are talking to none other than Shahid Loam because the subject today we are talking about is Kashmir and specifically Indian occupied Kashmir. I'm your boy Anayat Kanji and this is the Muslim Vibe podcast. So thank you very much for joining us today, Shahid. Um, obviously, um, you know, Kashmir is something personal to you because you are obviously from the land of Kashmir, the Indian-occupied Kashmir. Yeah. Um, but you're also completing a, a PhD in you were saying political economy, po political economy and science, political economy basically. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, and uh, that well, that is actually at the University of Delhi, or uh... no, it is Jamia Millia Islami, but it is a central university located in New Delhi, India. Right, right. Okay, okay, interesting. So uh, anyway, um. So as I say, this subject, uh, you know, uh, being a freelance writer as well yourself, um, is it something that you've um, written a lot upon uh, or researched a lot? Or is it more something that through your own personal experience that you found, you know, um, this uh, passion for the cause itself? No, basically the thing is, first as a personal experience, uh, you get the things that are around you in back home, in, back in Kashmir. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that, you need to give voices uh, to those uh, emotions, sentiments that are happening back in Kashmir. Like uh, you could see around your things uh, that's happening there. But for those things to translate into logical conclusions, mm -hmm. you need to have a certain medium. Mm -hmm. Few employ speaking, few employ writing. The mask, uh, what, I, what I usually do is that I speak and write on Kashmir. Mm. Okay, interesting. And was that something, uh, you know, that you had set out to do when you decided to, you know, uh, embark upon writing itself or doing your PhD, or was this uh, more so something that kind of developed uh, just through, you know, um, the natural circumstance of what you're experiencing uh, in terms of, you know, the political situation? Basically, it could, it you could you can say that both the things happen simultaneously. Right. Uh, when we are growing up, we're seeing the scenarios around us in Kashmir. And then when we moved out of Kashmir, I was like personally that, I, no, I should write about it as well. Mm -hmm. And I should speak about it as well because the Indian media that's working there in Kashmir, first the Indian media, Indian media has an official policy of a total blackout on right. Kashmir issue. Uh, they can talk about Kashmir economic issues, Kashmir financial issues, but nothing that is related to Kashmir's political cause. Right. The basic, uh, uh, point of contention that is between India and Pakistan since 1947. Okay. So they can't talk about anything that is related to Kashmir's political cause. Interesting. So you need to have someone, mm. uh, be, uh, and our younger, younger generation particularly, they are now taking up to writing in different forms of art to express their feelings. Mm. And I was probably one of them. Right, okay, which is uh, very much commendable, obviously, and as you say, especially um, to people who essentially have been voiceless for many years, um, as you've mentioned, because uh, governments and politics seem to ignore key elements of uh, the Kashmiri situation and its people. Um, so, uh, again, you know, uh, many people have likened it, in fact, you know, to... Um, 
the occupation of Gaza and Israel, in fact, and have made many comparisons and because it's almost like the forgotten war, the forgotten conflict, um, because it's been going on for so many years, um, you know. So maybe uh, you can give us a brief history as well of, you know, you mentioned 1947, um, but, you know, to many, again, you know, they may not realise that Kashmir has always been an independent state in history. I mean, I was looking, you know, I was mentioning it to be before, you know, you can go as far back as whether it be the Buddhist dynasty, the Mughal dynasty, the Muslim dynasty, the Afghans who invaded but the point being Kashmir was always independent at what stage did it become uh, firstly an occupied land in your mind um, and secondly you know um, how do you feel as a Kashmiri yourself uh, in regards to some of the comments that Indians and Pakistani politicians alike make in regards to this battle over land look Kashmir has always been there as a as a country as you called it right now before 1947, that even before in India and Pakistan uh, officially became as different countries, we had our own flag. And the fact is that Kashmir still has its own constitution. Anyway, uh, in 1947, there were princely states in India, British ruled India at that time. Mm. And this was decided that in 1947, that majority, I guess uh, somehow, maybe uh, over four or five hundred princely states at that time and it was decided that majority of the kingdoms which have hindu population and majority which have muslim population hindus should side with india and muslims should side with pakistan and that was the case that majority of the provinces did the same but when it came to kashmir we had a ruler who was hindu and the subjects were muslims right and it is said though that is disputed again that he acceded to india he signed a so-called instrument of accession with the indian government uh, but that is again disputed and since then this issue has been lingering on since 1947 and by far this is as you broadly said it may somehow may relate to the conflict occupation of Israel uh, of Palestine and how Israelis control the uh, lands of Palestine hmm. uh, since 2003 overnight India became a natural ally of Israel and since then they have been using the same tactics in Kashmir as Israel uses in uh, occupied Palestine. Hmm. Now the recent visit of Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi hmm. to Israel, if you see, he snubbed the entire Palestinian uh, leadership when he visited Israel. And Israel, India have connections so uh, close that is, uh, India is the biggest uh, importer, uh, exporter of Israeli arms and ammunitions and they are getting technology from Israel so that they can, use, they can use it in back in Kashmir to stifle the legitimate demand of right to self-determination that Kashmiris have there. Wow, 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 that's, that's mad. I mean, because I even saw an article, um, I believe it was an Al Jazeera article, which made many comparisons and parallels to the extent that um, even the Indian army were being trained by the Israeli army. Um, the fact that they had um, a joint military drill exactly right um, the fact that they're one of their greatest arms kind of um, uh, customers if you like you know yeah. in terms of you know the, the trade and traffic uh, of military weapons uh, and obviously strategically as well what is employed um, so in every respect it seems almost like they're learning from that model um, and you know uh, but the only difference being I wonder um, is that 
in the Middle East and in places like Palestine and Iraq and where all these conflicts happen, Syria, there's a lot of oil and other land resources and therefore um, the Western influences seem to love to get involved. I wonder why um, maybe Western influences are ignoring the human rights of those within Kashmir. Is it because, um, you know, they can't uh, benefit from the land itself or is there some other reason um, no, basically, for why this uh, has been left? There are different subletries and intricacies attached to this point as well. Uh, Kashmir being the heart of Central Asia, it is a transit point to various uh, uh, landscapes in that very part. Yeah. And it's not like that Western interests are not there. Uh, Western interests are there. You have containment okay. of China policy for America. You have containment of Russia policy. And for containment of China policy, uh, America needs a certain hand there, a certain his eyes there, so which could control that very uh, area as well. And for that, India is a perfect place. Mm. Uh, Indian markets, India being in a developing country, it has markets uh, in which uh, Western corporate houses are working there. They have their interest there. So the way, uh, reason that Western uh, powers don't uh, uh, kind of try to uh, solve or meddle into the occupation of Kashmir is for the very same reasons that they have their interest there and they don't want to hurt those interests by getting involved into this uh, conflict between India and Pakistan. Right. Although there are 18 United Nations Security Council resolutions and still they are kind of uh, keeping mum all the time. In the last year when you had the um, United Nations Human Rights Security Council meeting, uh, it was decided that a human rights uh, committee would be set up and they will be asked to go to Kashmir, mm -hmm. uh, to both sides of Kashmir, to Pakistan side of Kashmir and Indian occupied Kashmir and they will look for human rights violations in Kashmir. But unfortunately what happened was Pakistan uh, accepted this and India denied the access to human rights com committee. Reason being India not only have committed grave human rights excesses there, they have committed crimes which are qualified in international law as war crimes. Wow. So they just uh, rejected this demand of United Nations Human Rights Council. Wow. So Western powers or say West uh, stopping from a discussing or deliberating on Kashmir is for the reason that they have their interest in Kashmir, uh, in India, their economic interest and they don't want to hurt it. And India, vice versa, is complying with the standards. Hmm. Wow, wow, wow. So it's almost a different strategy for a different means, but the end goal is the same at the end of the day um, in regards to protecting their interests globally. Exactly. Um, this is conflict yeah. of interest. Wow, okay. That's... It's crazy, it's crazy, crazy to think. And um, as I say, you know, I'm very much a novice on this topic. So I feel like I'm learning uh, a lot here in regards to the history itself. Um, and, you know, it's informing uh, everything that has been happening of late. And I'm getting a lot more of a clearer picture around this. Um, and uh, bear in mind, guys, we are obviously live on Facebook. So please do hit us up with your comments or questions. If there's anything you want to ask Shahid directly, please do. Uh, as I say, you can help me along with some of my thoughts as well. Um, so look, uh, I've also recently um, been researching the actual Indian government, right? And I was mentioning to you earlier some interviews I'd watched um, from Indian politicians or professors, uh, you know, just people uh, in the academic realm uh, in regards to the situation. And I was watching an interview with uh, a brother Rakesh Sinhai, or Sinhai, um, uh, who's actually part of the 
He is an RSS ideologue. Right. And so could you explain a little bit around that? What is firstly RSS ideology? Um, and, you know, how is that of an importance? Um, because I believe that the ruling government at the moment uh, is of that ideology. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that uh, a ruling government is in India is a BJP and its parent organization is RSS. So right. BJP is kind of political wing of RSS, it's Rashtriya Swayam Saving Sangh. Mm -hmm. It is basically a Hindu extremist organization uh, that has worked since 1924. Uh, with its ideology is known to the world now. Mm. Uh, so uh, basically the person uh, or the party that you're talking about yeah. is currently in uh, ruling in India. Mm. Their idea of India, if you look at is, it is that uh, broader subcontinent that used to exist not just before the partition, but before the uh, pre-Maurya Empire. Wow. So, okay. for that, uh, they have committed excesses when their party was in power in uh, Gujarat, mm -hmm. the state of India, where the current, from where the current Prime Minister of India comes from. And he was uh, involved, reports say that he was involved in those, uh, that genocide that took place in 2002 and 2003 in Gujarat, in which Muslims were massacred hmm. like frogs in the rainy season. Wow. So that is the ideology and the party that is running India at this time. And their stand <laughs> on Kashmir is very much clear that Kashmir is a uh, bilateral dispute yeah. like any other national government in India between yeah. India and Pakistan. This is what they say on international forums. But when it comes between, when Pakistan wants to engage in a dialogue with India yeah. as uh, regarding Kashmir, they say Kashmir is an integral part of India. And God knows when did Kashmir decide to become integral part of India. We are, uh, history has no kind of mention this, like this that Kashmir was integral part of India. Anyhow, hmm. this is uh, what uh, their stand on Kashmir is like. And they are in coalition government with their puppet regime in Kashmir, uh, which is PDP. So they consider Kashmir just as an issue of economic uh, development and nothing more than that. Okay, okay. I mean, because uh, uh, when you're explaining that, you know, they're a Hindu extremist party, is that, is that, and I'm saying this where... Uh, and by I, the way, this was yeah. the same party that was be, uh, banned by in 1970s by Indira Gandhi, who was, she was the Prime Minister of India. It, this party was banned because it was involved in activities, terrorist activities at that time. Okay, okay, which is what I was going to get to in that, you know, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate or anything. I'm just trying to literally understand the situation. So when we call them a Hindu extremist party, a party that has been affiliated with terrorist organizations or terrorist acts, uh, a party that has actually committed acts which could be seen as war crimes, are these just criticisms from an opposing fraction or are is this the general consensus you know do people accept this widely um as you say uh if previous um you know prime ministers uh, had declared that they were a terrorist organization essentially um you know does the rest of the global community see that or do they feel it's you know i mean for instance when in the middle east it said that hezbollah are a terrorist group some may agree, but the people of, uh, you know, for instance, Lebanon or Palestine, the people who are directly being defended by those people would say, who else do we have to defend us? So in a similar sense, this Hindu organization, 
globally, as I say, is it accepted that they are well, as such? Especially if they're the ruling government. I, I am not the right person to comment on it. Reason being that I do not concentrate much on Indian politics, what mm-hmm. goes on in the mainland of India. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if you look at the reports in uh, Reuters, Al Jazeera and other things, and the home classified departments of, uh, reports of 1960s of Indian yeah, government, yeah. you'll see uh, what in what kind of heinous and horrendous crimes RSS was involved. Basically, uh, I am not the right person to comment on it. But the facts speak for itself. Exactly. Almost. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm getting. Okay. So, so going back to Kashmir then. The reason why I wanted to bring that up is because at the end of the day, Kashmir is being governed by India essentially exactly. at the moment, right? Yes. And if you've got a party which, when we say they're Hindu extremists, so for instance, how do they feel about the Muslims within their own country? You just demonstrate, for instance, in Gujarat, um, you know, the appalling uh, killing of many Muslims there, not, right? Not just Gujarat. If you look at the parties in power since last three years, yeah, and look at the discrimination that has happened in the mainland of India with Muslims, as the major minority community, look at the state uh, stats of beef lynching. Muslims have been lynched, whether they are in train or whether they are in at in their homes. They are just uh, lynched on the mere suspicion of keeping beef in their refrigerators. If you could elaborate on this, because um, some people may not be aware, and again, I only realised this in researching uh, for this show. Um, so, beef is now what it's a banned substance completely it's not banned in india but it uh, it is considered that uh, cow is very sacred towards hindus right. so uh, in that community which has always been the case for hindus yeah right? it has always been the case in hindus but if you look at uh, the increase in the violence against muslims on this very aspect since 2014 this party came into power you'll see there's a tremendous increase in the violence against Muslims. Wow. Wow. There, wow. It is the circle of violence, the culture of violence, the impunity that they are so-called gaurakshaks, cow protectors. Yeah. They could lynch you on mere suspicion, whether you are in your homes or you are in public spheres. And the thing is that you can see uh, police fo- uh, reports on yeah. this, but nothing is being done. So that is by far the larger culture that prevails in India. Which naturally then would impact the Kashmiris because obviously, as I say, if they are majority Muslim population... They they had in the past tried to do so, like they were... Major reports in Kanpur said that... A report in Kanpur said uh, probably that that we will send uh, 10,000 Indian Gaurakshaks to Kashmir to to fight with those who are fighting back in Kashmir. So... This was something that was not before when uh, the other party wa- was in power in India. So it definitely has an impact there. And they have this vision of creating Hindu India. Right. Not which just, is what I was trying to get. Yeah, you know? not just that India, hmm. which is borderline this time. Yeah. But that erstwhile India. for And in that, Kashmir is a part. So for that, the obvious tactic that they use is to create separate colonies in Kashmir mm-hmm. where they could settle in Hindus from mainland and get it uh, culturally assimilated with right. India right. so that they could somehow subvert this resistance movement that's going against Indian military occupation in Kashmir. And naturally, when these things happen, as you mentioned, if you've got a ruling class, uh, sorry, a ruling ideology which is. Um, say Hinduism and but you have a population which is Muslim um, 
naturally, if they're trying to force uh, their values or their thinking upon the rest of society, that then gives open kind of season to, and arguments have suggested that Pakistanis have capitalized upon this, creating tensions of extremism within Muslim fractions then, in the sense that um, the idea of, you know, extremist Muslims in Kashmir um, is being used by the Indian government that Pakistan are, you know, funding the rebels in Kashmir, creating extremists to fight against us, etc, etc. It creates that scapegoat and opportunity for genuine, um, you know, as I say, those within Pakistan who would feel that they benefit from that. But also, as I say, just naturally, it will create extreme views and tensions and marginalization and ostracization. And therefore, those people who feel voiceless are often the people who then engage in violent acts and You know, th- that's why I often say that Indian media is not the fourth state of a uh, fourth pillar of democracy in India. But maybe it may be the fourth pillar of democracy in India. But for Kashmiris, it is the fifth column of our enemy. Right. That's what they do is uh, highlighting this uh, so-called extremism or Wahhabism in Kashmir, as you may have read through various reports. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like of this in Kashmir. It has never been like this in Kashmir. It is an indigenous moment. And if you look at Kashmiris from 2008 till 2017, picking up stones against the bullets of Indian army, Human Rights, International Human Rights Council considered is a non, it as a non-violent action. Mm-hmm. So when they are not able to subvert this very resistance now the obvious option available to them is to somehow malign it somehow make it uh, projected to the international media and to the indian people through its media that look kashmiris are persons who have gone astray who have gone beyond their way Mm -hmm. look at their means pakistan is funding them look if you Somehow, on any given day, if you pick up Pakistan from the map of subcontinent, put it in place of America, India will still be saying it's Pakistan doing things from America. <laughs> that is their obsession with the Pakistan. Yeah. Because it keeps uh, their nationalism intact within the mainland of India. Exactly. Like, Indian... Uh, it, uh, these are, there are, it's an uh, excellent scape. There are Indian citizens yeah. who are the soldiers of Indian army. Mm-hmm. And how do you motivate them? How do you influence their actions? How do you influence their thought? How mm. do you control their thought? By feeding them with the same things which are which are not exactly happening on the ground in Kashmir, but they're projected in that very manner. And when the same soldier goes on for his duty in Kashmir, he doesn't take Kashmiri uh, as a human being. He takes him as, as a, his prey, as a Muslim who was uh, fed to him on, by his media wow. in that very manner. And... Um, is there a difference then between the Muslim treatment of those within India and the treatment of Muslims within Kashmir? Um, you know, so as you say, are Kashmiris seen as a second-class citizen in comparison to even Indian Muslims, or is this more uh, a religious sectarianism than uh, a regional sectarianism? Uh, it has another contour attached to it, and that is was it when, double whammy? <laughs> in, yeah, kind of. If you see it. When Kashmiris are projected as extremists, as Wahhabists, as terrorists, it kind of uh, creates that uh, cycle of fear within the Muslims of India. Right. It is used to influence them as well. Mm-hmm. It is used to subvert their voices, their demands in Kashmir, in India like as well. Like they're the normative, moderate Ex- Muslims. Exactly, that Muslims. mystical Sufis and all those things. So, and plus, it is like, that look, 
Indian government, Indian political parties use Kashmir as a punching bag mm. in different parts of India to gain their what you call their interest during the political campaigns that they have. Look, Kashmir is our national security issue, mm. and our uh, soldiers are fighting there. Mm-hmm. They are being they are getting killed there. This is how Indian media portrays it. Wow, wow, wow! That is, that's confusing, man. Because as I say, you know, the the average Indian, uh, be it Muslim or Hindu, then you know, they even would be conflicted uh, as to the position of their government and you know what's right and wrong. Um, and then it creates divisions even within our faith, as I say, you know, because it's not just a Muslim brother then. But that's a Kashmiri Muslim. So you got to understand to, yeah. when Indian media says, yeah. or official Indian media, India, st- Indian states liners that Kashmiris are extremists, terrorists, and all those things. You got to understand in 2014 the floods occurred in Kashmir. There were Indian Hindus, Indian citizens uh, who were at that time caught in Kashmir. They were saved by Kashmiri Muslims <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Uh, you had the recent Amarnath Yatra attack in Kashmir. Although uh, it people bla- believe that it is a false flag operation, but a bus skidded off the road, and it was Kashmiri Muslim who picked uh, those uh, injured there. They were Indian Hindus. They were picked up by Kashmiris, treated by Kashmiris, fed by Kashmiris. <laughs> well, this is what I mean. It's the same kind of uh, argument and strategy. And you'll see, and if you'll yeah. if you'll go to Indian media, you'll see these reports that Kashmiris are helping Indian uh, citizens when they are in such kind of situations. They are never been shown. They are never been reflected on Indian media. What will be reflected on if mm. an encounter goes uh, is taking place at any time and uh, Indian arm, armed soldier is killed? That has been highlighted all over the media, painted. See, this is what I mean. It's the same strategies that are employed on a global scale in regards to terrorism and the fear of Islam, you know, um, coming over to the West. This scourge of Islamophobia um, is, is there as well. It's so okay. So, <laughs> okay. So we've got even more to cover then. I mean, because as you say, um, for instance, in the Manchester bombings, you yeah. know, whilst it was. Uh, obviously, um, somebody with a warped way of thinking who was, you know, trying to hide behind the guise of religion. At the same time, a lot of the people who attended and helped all the victims were Muslims, yeah. as you say. But that doesn't get highlighted so much as the fact of who perpetrated it and what was their reason and cause. It was yeah. obviously the big bad Islam, right? So similarly, you're saying not only do they have to contend with the fact that they are outsiders to India, yeah. not only do they have to contend with the fact that they've now got an extremist, not just a Hindu government or a Hindu majority, but an extremist government, which you could argue is essentially like us being run by the BNP in England, yeah. right? You know, um, and then on top of that, as you say, they then even have divided the very Muslim Indians exactly. to think that they too are at threat from the Kashmiris exactly. because they are a lower class. Since this, this is the popular trend, this is the popular culture trend that is yeah. crazy trend that is going on around the world. That wherever Muslims uh, happen to yeah. be in majority and such awful things happen, they are directly labeled on Islam. They are somehow, even if they are hmm. attached, related with Islam. Yeah. So, it, when India does the same thing in Kashmir, it is uh, trying to portray to the global community, yeah. look, we have such scourge back in our own yard as well. 
and they fetch political brownies from uh, United Nations for it. Mm-hmm. That is the way the reason. Well, that's another thing. Like I said, we touched upon it earlier in terms of what is the global response, what is the UN saying, etc. Um, I want to get into that a little bit more. But um, you know, the Facebook's going mad. People want to talk to you, bro. Um, so let's have a look at some comments or questions that have been put across. Uh, let's go from bottom to top so we don't miss anybody. Okay. So for instance, um, okay. We may have addressed this, but let's just um, touch upon it again, just for anybody who might have missed it. But, um, you know, we asked right at the beginning, you know, what were the origins of the modern Kashmir conflict? Did it start after the partition or before the partition itself? Um, I know you touched upon it at the beginning, but maybe we can I told it. you that yeah. we were a country before India and Pakistan came into being. But after the so-called accession, which is still dubious, has not uh, what took place, it is said that Indian, uh, it is in the books written as well is that Indian me, uh, soldiers came into the mainland of Kashmiris because Pakistan tribals uh, came to Kashmir and to manage that India sent its soldiers, uh, the Raja requested for Indian soldiers to come to Kashmir to come to their rescue. Indian Prime Minister uh, Jawaharlal Nehru, India's first Prime Minister, his on mm-hmm. record has said mm-hmm. that the moment there is peace in Kashmir, we'll take our armies out of it and we'll let Kashmiris decide their own future. In fact, India was the country that took Kashmir issue to United Nations and United Nations came with this resolutions that Kashmiris should be given their right to self-determination. A referendum, a plebiscite should be held in Kashmir. It was till in from 1947 mm. to 65 mm. that a plebiscite should be held in Kashmiris. Let Kashmiris decide mm-hmm. that they want to go with India or Pakistan. Mm-hmm. It was India first that took it, took uh, United Nations. Mm-hmm. So you could understand that Kashmir was, uh, it was a country before India and Pakistan came into being. Right. Perfectly put, perfectly put. And it's interesting, you mentioned the word referendum there. Um, when I had mentioned that interview with uh, Dr. Rakesh Sinha, and they put it to him, you know, um, why not let the Kashmiris do a referendum? Um, he categorically was like, what is the point in a referendum? They've elected us. You know, we've been elected. Now, let um, me, let me, uh, <laughs> let me uh, rebut his... Uh, I did hear that interview as well. That was yeah. a very really nonsense point put forward <laughs> yeah. by Rakesh Sinha. Uh, if Kashmiris have elected their puppeteers uh, in Kashmir, mm-hmm. so in 2016, election par- Indian parliamentary elections under the constitution of India, under the law of India, took place in Kashmir. And you, uh, in, uh, the total voter per turnout was something around about 6%. There was violence on that day, 8 people got martyred, and there was a repoll, mm-hmm. and on the repoll day, it was two percent. So you could imagine what he is saying that uh, Indians, uh, Kashmiris have elected their persons. When you, ha- if you got to believe other reports as well, it is like those two persons were just those persons who were affiliated with uh, those parties who uh, fetched political points from I- India and its other uh, parties that are ruling there. Mm-hmm. So two percent polling in Indian parliamentary elections is a writing on the wall for Rakesh Sinha mm-hmm. and his nonsense answer. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, have a look at uh, a question uh, from Dar Mushtaq, who says, how GST implementation in Jammu and Kashmir will influence on JK dispute? Uh, this is uh, something that has happened recently. Yeah, look, maybe you can give us some, you know, for those yeah, who aren't aware what is well. G- uh, GS- What is GST, GST implementation? Is 
ഇന്ത്യ സോ economically mm-hmm. the regulations will take place from new delhi so kashmiris are literally on in economic terms and financial terms at the mercy of new delhi wow. so it is first we used to control you through pol- uh, politically now yeah. it is economically yeah. even if you consume the biscuit in your home in kashmir the tax value added tax and the gst will be decided by new delhi not by your own government so mm-hmm. what it makes is the jnk government its constitution its uh, judiciary mm-hmm. is subservient to indian parliament indian constitution right. and the laws that india makes right, in its right, mainland right, right. and this is again the point in that you know when it's argued what do kashmiri people want you know whether you know an indian politician wants to suggest that it's um you know uh, irrelevant whether they're under indian occupation or not um the point is even under indian occupation they're not actually addressing the needs of kashmiris so even if they were to argue um that you know it's beneficial for kashmir to be within the the wider realm of india the point being is as you say how are they actually reflecting what kashmiris want within their policies and within their practices um you know again it seems that you know uh, what is their response to that how would they argue that this is of benefit to kashmir look uh, uh the client regime in kashmir mm-hmm. that is uh, that is employed by india uh they decided to pass the tax recently and today uh, yesterday uh, the uh, treasury secretary came uh, that uh, said that uh, gst will never benefit kashmiris <laughs> because this it means okay. uniform tax structure yeah, yeah. uniform tax structure india in uh, rss bjp has this idea one nation one language one nation uh, uh one tax structure so with through this they want to get kashmir somehow uh, uh assimilated with the india mm-hmm. economically politically culturally socially mm-hmm. but the thing is that kashmiris have resented it from last 70 years mm-hmm. so i guess it won't it won't affect it, it will affect economically kashmiris but it will not alter the situation a political situation political dispute of kashmir right okay interesting well i hope we've uh, managed to answer some of uh, darmashtar's question there okay let's see another one then uh mudassir nazar says sir shahid lan you've been knighted bro um okay what about recent raids on resistance leadership by nia what are its causes and reasons uh recent you, raids on resistance leadership by NIA what uh, is NIA in the s- first place and what are these resistance uh, NIA stands for National Investigation Agency of India okay. uh it was never to be uh 
and i had never the uh, its jurisdiction never crossed to jammu and kashmir but uh, indian laws uh, they uh, somehow tra- have found those loopholes in indian jnk uh, constitution mm-hmm. and now they are there uh, the resistance leadership that is there in kashmir it is claimed that they are being funded by pakistan and through different agencies through hawala money through money laundering but the thing is that raids uh, happened recently in this year as well as in last year on those claiming that they have taken uh, funds from pakistan for the last years uh, resistance uh, uh, last years uprising that took place mm-hmm. when uh, burhan wani the rebel commander was martyred Martin, so uh, they fueled those six months of uprising mm-hmm. but the thing is kashmiris uh, kashmiris uh, kashmiris resistance leadership pakistan has always morally and diplomatically supported kashmir ever since uh, it, the, it took place mm-hmm. uh, since 1947 and they continue to do so as far as funds being this is another ploy of india and its media to bring kashmir in to give a very bad image to kashmir mm-hmm. to bring resistance leaders uh to project them in a manner that kashmiris start hating them look mm-hmm. they are playing as double agents of india as well as pakistan they are taking money from pakistan fueling tension here and they are getting nothing out of it right so this is another indian media's plans that and they are working on it wow Wow, wow, but it's... Kashmiris are very much aware and they are politically very much uh, the horizon is has very much broadened in the last 30 years uh, ever since that one lakh uh, our people were martyred hmm. so that they can uh, decipher what is right and what is wrong what is happening in Kashmir because i was going to say um you know uh, how are the Kashmiri people then um proposing to combat the situation or you know find some sort of peace and resolution you know how how are they supposed to have a bright future um you know and uh, you know what can they achieve uh, as a peoples um whilst under such uh, Look, kind of uh, rule to your global audience i would like to say kashmir has a very simple demand like that is mentioned in united nations security council is and british muslims here particularly i would like to address them that you must start uh, building solidarity bonds with the people here of different backgrounds different communities make them aware of the situation that is in kashmir uh, kashmiris just want to decide their very own future united nations have promised them but india is not allowing them to do so there are 18 security council resolutions let us decide whether we want to remain with india or we want to remain with pakistan but hold that plebiscite and a referendum we have india has committed excesses in kashmir crimes in kashmir we have women's being molested women's being raped no justice system is there lawless laws you have black laws draconian laws taking place in kashmir and the second thing if you look at the impunity that is being uh, provided to indian armed soldiers in kashmir they can't be tried in any civilian court leave mm-hmm. alone the army courts mm-hmm. and it has a litany of promises from 47 till now that you are see, that you are seeing right now yeah in 1990 it used to be anti india sentiments in kashmir right uh when army literally took the roads urban roads but in 2017 what you are seeing is hate india sentiments mm-hmm. and you see a growing sentiment for growing sentiment towards pakistan because pakistan always takes a moral gra- high ground as far as kashmir is concerned mm-hmm. pakistan last year said that we are fine to com- uh, to comply with the 
uh, international standards of human uh, United Nations ready to uh, talk with India on how to withdraw our armies from the regions. But India has said it's our own internal issue. We won't do it. <laughs> you know, Kashmir wow. is caught between the wow. Pakistan's jugular vein and India's integral part. Yeah. International media, international houses talk to Kashmir Pakistanis on their platform, Indians on their platform, Indians and Pakistanis give their answer. Nobody talks to Kashmiris. <laughs> Kashmir is the main party to the dispute. <laughs> you know, intransigence of India since 47 till now <laughs> has resulted in gross human rights violations. If I may allow to call it, it is a genocide, continual genocide. Wow, 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 wow. So well, for them, you have a message, <laughs> build the solidarity bonds here, talk Kashmir, speak Kashmir, the occupation of Kashmir, India's high-handedness and its... Uh, what do you call uh, how it has uh, stifled the dissent in Kashmir. There are already three wars that have been fought on Kashmir and still Kashmir has not been solved. So it's your responsibility that as conscious human beings, you talk about those uh, uh, legitimate rights of Kashmiris everywhere. At least the least you can do is sensitize your environment. Okay, well, uh, I think there's two comments which I wanted to really, um, I don't know which one to go with now, but um, since uh, uh, Dharmush Dark uh, is carrying on from his original question on NIA. Um, I thought maybe uh, we can address that since we're just speaking about it. So, I mean, um, he wants to ask again, look, can NIA raids on Hurriyat and subsequent mistrust in people make the ruling BJP PDP government it possible to eradicate Article 35A under the Indian Constitution and to change demography there was there as was done in Jammu. So uh, grammatically it's a bit incorrect, but um, do you understand what uh, he's saying? I got, I got it, what he is you saying is, he is yeah. saying, saying that uh, the mistrust that has caused, that, that has taken place due to these NIA raids, uh, what will be its impact if uh, India may change uh, the demography in Kashmir? Look, for that, uh, I'm not a legal expert, but on a broader horizon, what I would like to say is, BJ, uh, the ruling party's uh, chief minister in Kashmir has said, that if you uh, 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 abrogate Article 35A, Indian flag, which is currently being hoisted in different departments in Kashmir, will never be hoisted again. So their main uh, party, alliance party has said that we will not comply with it. Mm. But as far as demography is, uh, demographic change is concerned, India has already started that, BJP has already started that. Uh, we had... Uh, a security and a resettlement act uh indian government has already started that in the jammu province mm -hmm. so i'll tell you something about jammu province as well please two lakh muslims were massacred in 1947 in jammu province so the population was uh, it was uh, uh, i guess uh, 50 50 in 1950s in kashmir 50 mm -hmm. 50% muslim population and the other communities uh, now you'll see uh, may 18 and 19% muslims living there so they are settling different colors, they are settling Hindu migrants in Jammu, they are making different colonies in uh, the countryside in Jammu, they want to do the same in Kashmir and they may have started it in Kashmir as well, I, don't ha I do not have any reports yet, hmm. but that is they want to culturally assimilate cultural aggression is their main way which is again why we can make parallels to gaza and israel and palestine because whilst there may be a different kind of agenda it's a very similar situation and as you say um you know settling the different systemic design the, exactly. sy the systematic procedure mm. that you see 
broadly uh, gaza and palestine and kashmir issues are same mm-hmm. you know it's too long a history but too small a geography yeah. they may be the same uh, or broadly same technicality uh, intricacies may be different but if you look the structure of violence or how thought process perception management media management is being controlled by israel and india terrifically they are similar <laughs> across the board yeah. indian ma- media israeli media they are like hand in glove with each other how to control the voices of dissent mm-hmm. in kashmir in palestine mm-hmm. and this is why i feel that you know all people regardless of religion or faith should be uh, you know in uproar about this because uh, as we say you know uh, the issue of gaza and israel has been seen by many across the world now as a blatant humanitarian um, you know rights kind of uh, complete um, you know just a complete uh, you know ignore it's just as i say it's just fast because it's a complete they have been ignoring it Ignor- yeah well, I, i can't even find the words right now because i'm getting flustered because i get so annoyed by it because i mean for instance um you know the whole un group and we talked about this earlier the whole un group would say that you know this is clearly um you know um crimes of war and etc and still they would go in and continue you know, doing you, the acts you still have a, a, is it the same with kashmir though exactly it is the same no different like it you have amnesty report uh, amnesty international reports on kashmir yeah uh, human rights watch report on kashmir look at the excesses indian army indian state has committed in kashmir you'll get an idea even after the excesses they are never tried in any court of law yeah. reason being there is an armed forces special powers act that has been enacted in kashmir yeah. first it was enacted in no- uh, northeast india yeah. now uh, then it was extended to kashmir and still it has not been uh, removed from kashmir do you, do you know what the numbers are like in terms of you know deaths for instance maybe in the last you know sorry to get so morbid on it but just to give people an idea of you know the kind of uh, just the nature of these killings and etc in, uh, indian state's official uh, records and state human rights commission says it is more than 50000 but uh, local sources said that it's beyond 100000 wow kashmiris wow. have been martyred since the 8 1989 Wow. ever since the popular armed rebellion started wow. and uh, since then it is still going on so it has not stopped it has not years literally yeah. in the space of 20 30 years yeah. 100,000 people it has wow. not stopped that is crazy that is crazy well look Irun Carson wanted to make a comment um she says that uh, being from Srinagar in Kashmir i would urge you to study the history of the dispute i think she's talking to people generally maharaja hari singh the ruler of kashmir wanted to remain neutral during the partition as should be the case whether muslim or hindu bears no significance this is nothing to do with religion politically based sectarianism is forbidden in all religions including islam and hinduism stay blessed what would you say to her comment is she being a little naive is she uh, no she, i mean is it a very nice and optimistic sentiment I mean, no she she no what she is saying is uh, right in a sense that i talked about broad, broadly i didn't touch the subtleties that were attached to it mm-hmm. he wanted to but he was influenced by india uh, indian state indian authorities at that time in 1947 so that that whatever she she is so yeah. she has a factual point in okay, there okay. but 
then uh, when you look at how it has evolved since 1947 yeah. it has not remained the same case right 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 so whilst it may have started off as a political land grabbing issue it is now fused into something more than that it is more um, than that and like we have said you know they're using it almost as a vehicle to keep um, perpetuating their their circumstance in um, india is trying uh, manifestly blatantly yeah. brazenly are uh, trying to uh, manage this occupation now so, right, right. so uh, this is a different uh, picture that you are seeing today yeah, yeah. you are not seeing uh, that uh, 1947 again right okay interesting interesting okay um okay can you please draw an analogy this is from pirzada mahmoob uh, mahbub al haq can you please draw an analogy between indian national movement and knm pakistan funding how indians then were being helped by the opponents of brit and how bagat singh then bombed legislative assembly that brought him under the limelight and he eventually became the hero of the nation and then the afsal guru who could be read and praised on similar lines was eventually hanged no he, a lot yeah, of information there could not be across. read yeah. afsal guru is a uh, who is afsal guru he, uh, i'll tell you who is is uh, he was a uh, I uh, convicted in a case uh, of a parliament bombing in 2003 right. and Indian media uh, Indian uh, judiciary uh, uh, sent uh, him to gallows in 2013 yeah. so for us uh, Afzal Guru is not a terrorist uh, you know for us he, we say he for us he is a freedom fighter what he is saying is that when bhagat singh attacked uh, british india at that yeah. time then he became a hero right. so like this afzal guru is for us and that is a fact uh to satisfy indian media's uh, reports are that to satisfy the national conscience of india yeah. afzal guru was sent to gallows at that time and there are many reports saying that no uh, uh he was not given a proper hearing he was not uh, given uh, a lawyer he could who could proceed his case anyway that being the different case uh it is that what he is talking about is the indian history i guess I am not into Indian history anymore. <laughs> I would love to talk about Kashmir history in detail. Yeah. But um but I suppose then uh, so I hope in answering his question uh as I say in regards to this what is the KNM Pakistan funding then and what what does that mean? I guess that is the past case. I don't want to go into okay. that. Okay. All right, fair enough. Let, let's get past that one then. Uh, apologies Pirzada, I hope we've answered it somewhat. Um well this is an interesting point which we were talking about before in fact. um because when we were talking about the west and how media um influences uh can and apologies guys you know where there's a bit of noise outside um if any of this is feeding through we try and talk a bit louder um but yeah basically um hollywood for instance right in the western media hollywood will utilize films and narratives to push certain political agendas or touch upon subjects or um implant ideas and thoughts in the in you know uh, the masses through their films similarly i know um especially from doing film review shows and things uh, you know i've been interviewing quite a few uh, indian actors recently and i've learned that kashmir is one of the beautiful lands uh, which many of bollywood's films are filmed within um and in fact uh, a brother has put this across then a lot of bollywood films are filmed in the heaven on earth which is kashmir right but do any of them cover the conflict or depict the issues regarding uh, ownership etc um of kashmir itself um or do they 
like Hollywood and many who would criticize Hollywood, utilize Bollywood film to push their own agendas within uh, their narratives. Bollywood has an obsession with Kashmir, Kashmir's natural beauty and what they have been doing it, let's say, when uh, Bollywood came into Kashmir, since then they have just reflected the natural beauty of Kashmir. Exactly, that is for their marketing and promotion and that is good for their movies. Hmm. But as far as he is talking about the conflict, uh, the image of the conflict, does that come into their movies? Hmm. I guess I haven't seen any of such movies. The latest was Haida, in which just a part of it was why Kashmiris want independence, a part of it was highlighted and that too was cover, glossed with a different image which, yeah. which was which which is not present in Kashmir. Indian uh, Indian Bo- Bollywood has Indian cinema across the board hmm. has never touched this subject why uh, Kashmiris are uh, up against Indian state whether they are with stones or whether they are with arms or through other means hmm. uh, the reason being uh, Bollywood is used as a tool by Indian state to showcase its own people Kashmir as a heaven on earth uh, where Kashmiris are, have not, uh, are not against India, mm-hmm. they are the Indians, uh, they are w- with India, they, uh, so, uh, they support, uh, they, uh, support uh, Indians, uh, they are Indians by heart. This is basically how cultural manifestation takes place. Right. This is basically <laughs> interesting, interesting, man. I'm learning a lot today, man. I'm learning a lot today. Um, look, we're gonna keep going as long as these questions are firing in because it seems a lot of people have a lot of questions for you, bro, and we can't let down the public. So, um, again, and, and I feel like we're learning a lot here because it is such a wide topic. There's so much history, there's so much politics to it. It's um, good to see so people uh, learning, uh, uh, revitalizing their the knowledge with Kashmir all around the world, definitely. And as we had mentioned, uh, the beginning uh, i mean the poster for this uh, podcast in itself is the forgotten um, you know conflict uh, because for instance irshad ahmed says what is your take on ladakh and if i can pronounce this right gilgit baltistan uh, kashmir uh, jammu and kashmir so to say is broadly divided apart in pakistan's uh, kashmir and part in Indian occupied Kashmir. Right. Now why do I just talk about Kashmir? Kashmir has other parts. Jammu is a part. Ladakh is a part. He is talking about Ladakh. The major population, the chunk of population lives in Kashmir. Right. It is, Kashmir is inhibited by the major population. That's why you see all around the media it's Kashmir, 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 not Jammu and Ladakh. Mm-hmm. So this is a criticism. Why don't you talk about Jammu as well as Ladakh? You have an 18% population in Jammu, a mere 11% population in Ladakh, Leh and Kargil. The majority lives in Kashmir and the majority has the problem. Mm-hmm. That's why you see Kashmir every time in the media. Right, right. So, right. as far as Gilgit, Baltistan and other parts are concerned, they lie with the Pakistan side of Kashmir and they do not have this problem. It's often said, uh, Indian leftist circles, uh, they try to portray India, Pakistan side of Kashmir as well, Pakistan occupied Kashmir. Right. But that's generally not the is case. Is that not the case then? That is not the case there. It is just the Indian occupied Kashmir, the peoples living from this side yeah. who are up against Indian state. Wow. Well, when you uh, when that referendum or that plebiscite takes place, yeah. it's all parts of Kashmir, whether they are in Pakistan or India, they will decide as a, as a, as a whole mm. which side to seed with. Right, okay. So, I mean, could you foresee, for instance, Kashmir 
siding and wanting to be a part of Pakistan? Um, or do you think that there will be a unanimous vote for independence itself? Well, I, uh, I can't pro- uh, pronounce my verdict on what is the popular opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing, uh, Kashmiris, are, uh, Kashmiris have a normative position that is prevailing there is that we just want to decide our own future okay that is secondary mm-hmm. which system will take place or with which part of uh, which with territory we go to that is right. secondary to our cause right. the primary cause is let kashmiris decide their own future give them a voice as we say you know um let people decide for exactly. themselves okay excellent excellent all right um okay so mudassir nazar says sir something about fake encounters and recent bailing out of the accused indian army officers in machil fake encounter encounter was uh, that the was that anything you were referring to earlier about um fake encounter flag, uh, false flags or is this no, something the, this is this is very much different okay uh, this encounter happened in back uh, eight 10 12 years back and uh, one of its uh, one of the persons in, by indian army this was a false flag as at that time as well right. and one 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 person involved uh, was court marshaled uh, recent in the last day now the indian uh, indian court has a uh, not pro they, they have released them on the bail hmm. this is how indian law works in kashmir uh at that time it was said that indian army persons were involved in that false flag operations but now indian court recently came with a very absurd illogical judgment and that was that on the apprehension that uh, those persons who committed that crime they were wearing uh, kurta pajamas pathani suits So they were, it was believed that they were Pakistani terrorists. Okay. <laughs> This is the absurd judgment that Indian media Indian court has come up with. Wow, wow, wow. wow. That is it gives you an idea how Indian law functions in Kashmir. Right. right. Basically in uh, in occupied territories you don't have laws. <laughs> you enforce your dictums. <laughs> These are just dictations. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh man wow okay okay it's I mean Kashmir is filled up with different stories different narratives uh, it's hard which one to tell and you can't cover everything in one just one show exactly 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 I, and uh, as by my expression and I apologize to many that I have not touched different subjects of Kashmir mm. because it's hard to uh, gather all of them in just one show Well like we say um we're trying to get through as much as we can and hence uh, I thank you guys and keep keep coming in with your questions uh because as I say we'll keep going until uh we feel we've covered all that we can. Okay so Irshad Ahmed says look I'm from Jamia right? Um Shai please elaborate what is the position of Gilgit Baltistan and Ladakh in Kashmir issue in your opinion? We've just touched upon that so that did we not touch upon yeah, that? We we, touched we've already that. touched upon Ladakh and Gilgit uh Baltistan so let's move on to another question all right uh jaleel wani right my hindu friends from jammu always tell a qu- always tell oh, that's got always got to figure out this grammar right so my hindu friends from jammu right always tell a question which i would like to pose to mr shahid and that is what kind of governance kashmir will adopt if it gets freedom and if it is a democracy then how will the separatist will ensure us how how then sorry and if it is then democracy then how they separatists will ensure us this is the politics this is no i'll tell you something different yeah. as well 
this is the politics of uh, language that yeah. uh, indian state has come up with the passage of time right. the, you have heard the word separatists yeah. they are basically the flag bearers of the resistance movement in kashmir they are called collectively they are known as huriyat but indian media calls them as separatists only those few persons chunk of persons who want a separate state from india okay. so this is the term in uh, language of politics of right, the right, so right, right. Uh, what he says is how what would be the system let let us decide the system afterwards first let us get it from india let us decide our own future <laughs> whether it will be secular in nature uh, that syncretic that kashmir used to have let people after this uh, kashmir of Kish- people of kashmir decide mm-hmm. what kind of system governance system will we have mm-hmm. and what should be the place of uh, uh, minorities in that very system let mm-hmm. people decide okay okay which is a fair i think and we do have a system make. we do yeah. have a system we had a system that prevailed before yeah. but we will decide in future okay all right cool 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 all right well uh, maybe take one or two more questions uh, and then uh, we'll uh, have to wrap up unfortunately but um okay so look uh, shafat manzoor says sir myself uh, from pulwama kashmir uh will china's inclusion in kashmir be helpful or will it make some syria like situations please elaborate uh, what is this will china's uh, it is inclusion? china china okay, okay. i so love the way my will china's inclusion my apprehensions <laughs> are <laughs> sorry i got a laugh on that one for a moment yeah, so oh, i'm gone sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah kashmir is becoming more and more geopolitical in nature yeah look it i said it in the beginning that it is a transit towards pakistan towards iran to kamenistan and then central asia yeah yeah so uh China and Pakistan recently entered into an economic corridor agreement China this is called the CPEC China Pakistan economic corridor mm-hmm. uh there's a huge millions of dollar investment in that very region and the region that region very much passes through the Pakistan side of Kashmir the Gilgit Baltistan side as well mm-hmm. so uh it is said that if India and I believe if India meddles too much into that very region China may have to step in uh, side the issue of Kashmir as chinese media recently said that uh if pak india is intruding into the ter- into their territory at in bhutan hmm. china will meddle into the kashmir issue and people of kashmir received this i guess very well it received applause in kashmir okay. but i guess uh, that would be dangerous for kashmir if we get number of countries involved into that very little zone in kashmir right, right. that will not be beneficial for the people of kashmir okay okay yeah. okay Well, wow, okay. Well, look, going forward then. Um as you say, you know, before we can even look at what the kind of pragmatic um solutions will be, like you say, firstly we need to give a voice to the Kashmiri people. Two things. One, Congress. give a voice and second, justice. Okay. To the excesses against excesses that India has committed in Kashmir. And Without ha- justice, peace is a myth and we can't prosper, we can't move forward. without justice right because i suppose at the end of the day even if we even if kashmir does gain independence even if you know certain things are then adhered to the past still has to be addressed and the current needs to be addressed in terms of the mistreatment the losses are, of people every day excess is going on mm-hmm. and nobody cares about them you don't bat an eye well 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 okay so yeah so all right so 
hopefully hopefully we pray that you know inshallah you know there can be some justice and there can be then uh, some sort of solutions that uh, can be provided for the Kashmiri people uh, in regards to their future in regards to their independence in regards to their voice and obviously um, that being listened to and hopefully inshallah that will then in turn create some sort of change um, so look Shahid what are you doing then uh, you know in terms of work going forward how can we follow you in terms of you know your your research, your work itself, your articles, you know, how can we uh, Everything keep is available on the web, you have everything available on the Google. Okay. You can find me anywhere, so my Facebook. Anywhere, anywhere <laughs> in the world. Anywhere in the world. <laughs> we live in a virtual globalized world right now. Okay, and so what's your Twitter feed, bro? Yeah, you have, yeah. Do you have a, a, your Twitter feed? What is your, your I, I, I'm not on Twitter, but I am on Facebook. People okay. are following at Shahid Ahmed Loan on Facebook. Cool. So, develop this culture of resistance. Uh, let Kashmir uh, hear Kashmiris and uh, try to away the world what Kashmir is all about. What is what are the problems that are in Kashmir and how this region is uh, at the mercy of India and what uh, you well you can what you can do is the least you can do is away the world about it, create an environment, uh, sensitize that very environment, and. Be a part of this culture of resistance. Play your part in it. Well, you heard it here first, guys. Well, thank you very much, Shahid Lone, for joining us today. Thank you for educating us on the situation in Kashmir. I've been Anayat Kanji, guys. This has been the Muslim Vibe Podcast. Thank you for all your comments and questions today. Peace and love. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.